Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. for standing by. This is the conference operator. Welcome to the Altus Group fourth quarter and full year 2021 financial results conference call and webcast. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and zero. I would now like to turn the conference over to Camilla Bartoshevic. Please go ahead. Thank you, Gaylene. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Alta's fourth quarter and year-end results conference call and webcast for the period ended December 31st, 2021. The news release announcing our results was issued after market close this afternoon, and it's posted on our website along with our annual report, including the MD&A financial statements. Joining us today are CEO Mike Gordon, incoming CEO Jim Hannon, and CFO Angelo Bartolini. We'll start with some prepared remarks, and then we'll move right into the Q&A session. If we miss any questions, please contact me directly by email. So we'll start with Angelo, beginning by covering off our financial performance during the quarter. Oh, actually, we'll start with Mike, then over to Angelo, and then we'll finish with Jim Hannon with an operational update and our strategic priorities for 2022. Uh, before we get started, please be advised that some of our remarks today may contain forward-looking information. Also, please be reminded that Altus uses certain non-GAAP, non-IFRS measures as indicators of financial and operational performance. Forward-looking information and an explanation of these measures are detailed in today's news release and in our annual report. All of the forward-looking information discussed today is qualified by the cautionary statements included in these reports. And with that, I'll now turn the call over to Mike for some opening remarks. Thank you, Camilla, and thank you for joining us this afternoon. Uh, We're running the call a little differently today. I'll start today recapping our key accomplishments from the past year, turn it over to Angelo to add more color on our Q4 results and the business outlook for this year, and then we'll turn it over again to Jim for an operational update and to discuss the key strategic priority he's got the team focused on in 2022. All in, 2021 was a solid year of growth acceleration and strategic progress. We're especially proud of that considering the backdrop of continuing pandemic-related challenges for our industry, the disruption of the summer cybersecurity incident, and quite frankly, managing through change as our new leadership team refocused our long-term strategy and implemented a number of operational changes in support of that. Financially, we delivered robust growth in our key financial metrics with double-digit 11% top line and earnings year-over-year growth. Our consolidated revenues stand at over $625 million. Adjusted EBITDA has now surpassed the $100 million threshold at $110 million, putting us on a path to start growing our margins this year. And we finished 2021 with adjusted EPS at $1.90. The strong financial results set a solid foundation for continued growth in 2022 and beyond and demonstrate our ability to leverage our growth investments and acquisitions to generate strong returns. Operationally, our our momentum was undeterred. We delivered on our 2021 plans, and this leaves us exceptionally well-positioned for sustained growth and innovation in 2022. Some highlights from the year include accelerating Argus cloud adoption, surpassing our internal expectations as we finish the year with 42% of Argus Enterprise users contracted on the cloud. Executing on three highly strategic acquisitions that have expanded our capabilities into key adjacencies in debt, data, and analytics while speeding up our time to market and growing our international footprint. 
advancing our operational and digital transformation of property tax, which furthers our strategy to incorporate tax management solutions under our intelligence as a service model. And finally, driving enhanced corporate alignment across all of Altus with revamped go-to-market strategies that have been driving solid sales execution in Altus Analytics and the rest of the business. And Jim will, bring, will give us more on that in a few minutes. Above all, we delivered incredible value to our customers through our end-to-end -end actionable intelligence solutions, helping them maximize alpha and reduce beta during market conditions that even tested our industry's top performers. For that reason, Altus as a company continues to enjoy exceptionally strong client loyalty across all of our business lines, and the network effect of our platform has been strengthened. As many of you know, our long-term strategy and our product roadmap is formed around the substantive market opportunity ahead of Altus. We're significantly further along today owing to the operational achievements from 2021. This could not have been accomplished if not for the incredible talent on our team. Honestly, we have the best of the industry on our team. I'm incredibly proud to have led Altus through this pivotal phase of its growth and look forward to my ongoing involvement as a director on our board for what I hope will be many years to come. And finally, on a personal note, as a fellow shareholder in the company, I'm excited for the value creation ahead under Jim and Jorge. Together with Angelo, Alex Probin, and our executive team, they have already hit the ground running in 2022. With that, I'll turn it over to Angelo to recap the fourth quarter. Thanks, Mike. Given that we pre-announced our results earlier this month, I'll be brief and aim to provide some additional color on the quarter. As no doubt you saw, it was a solid finish to the year with 11% top-line growth in our consolidated performance and steady earnings performance. Altus Analytics delivered terrific results. Revenues were 72.4 million, up 41%, 47% on a constant currency basis. Perhaps most noteworthy, our analytics organic growth engine is going strong. Organic revenues were up in the double digits, for the second consecutive quarter, up 17% or 22%, again, on constant currency. We saw good growth across all our key solutions with a healthy balance of customer expansion and new customer additions to our platform. Cross-selling with newly acquired solutions is ramping up. We're expanding our penetration with existing clients and steadily adding new clients. By one measure, we added 297 new logos for Argus in Q4. That brings us up to approximately 1,230 new logos in 2021, a significant increase over 2020. Our gross retention rates remain in the industry-leading range across all our software, data, and analytic solutions, many which are considered to be mission-critical by our clients. All this speaks to our improved operating posture under Jim's leadership. Equally impressive, our overtime revenues were 59.8 million, up 38% or 41% on constant currency, and up 8.5% sequentially over Q3. We're also pleased with the steady progression against our cloud migration journey, which as Mike said, surpassed our internal target. With 42% of AE users contracted on the cloud at the end of 2021, we expect to maintain good momentum in 2022, with the large majority of our AEE users expected to be contracted to the cloud by end of 2023. The enhancements to cloud-enabled AE14, launched in late 2021, are expected to be an influential consideration for larger firms, in addition to our plans to end support for AE12.1 or older by June 30, 2022. Adjusted EBITDA showed a good improvement in the quarter as well, up 9% to 10.7 million, or 19% in constant currency. Similar to last quarter, earnings were impacted by a 1.7 million purchase price accounting uh, adjustment related to finance active 
and Rionomi's deferred revenues, which in turn had an approximate 1.9% impact to our margins. Bookings growth continues to trend very strongly, up 113% in Q4 in constant currency, of which 91% was organic, a solid precursor of growth in 2022. Given the strong sales execution driven by our operational initiatives, we continue to expect robust bookings growth in 2022. But keep in mind, growth rates will moderate given the high comps in 21. As we look ahead, we feel really good about the opportunities for 2022 to deliver another strong year at, at the analytics segment. Reflecting the strength of the business in 21 and the contributions from the acquisitions we made, we are well positioned to drive sustained double digit revenue growth in 22, including double digit organic and overtime revenue growth, both on constant currency as well. We expect a double digit year over year improvement in adjusted EBITDA, and we will translate, which we expect will translate to year over year improvement in margins. Turning to the CRE consulting segment, at property tax, Q4 revenues were up 4.5% to 60 million, and earnings were up 1% to 18.2. We had good growth in Canada and the US. However, that was upset by a decline in the UK, which were impacted by decrease in settlement activity volumes. Overall, it was a fantastic year as characterized by healthy appeal settlement volumes, strong success rates, and overall higher savings for our clients. Strong bookings growth as we continue to onboard new clients and more properties onto our platform, thus increasing our market share. Property assessment values are expected to continue to rise and we see greater opportunities for savings, particularly in disruptive times like these. And with the investments we've been making on our technology platforms, we expect to see the continued benefits of improving our CRM and business development capabilities, creating greater efficiencies in our workflows and capturing greater appeal savings through data and analytics. These trends set us on very strong footing to sustain multi-year growth and to deliver another record year in 22. Our outlook is supported by a significant pipeline of cases to be settled in Canada, the US, and the UK, a healthy backlog of new sales bookings, as mentioned, and record annuity buildings in the UK. Long-term, we can continue to see great growth opportunity as we differentiate ourselves from our competitors through technology and data analytics, growing our market share and enhancing enhancing the repeatability of our revenues and our operating leverage. And finally, our valuation and cost advisory revenues were in line with last year at 30.5 million and earnings were, while earnings were down to 2% to 5.9 million. The valuation and cost advisory practices enjoy significant market share within our jurisdictions and as a result are expected to continue growing modestly with a focus on unlocking operating efficiencies supported by technology. Turning to our financial position, we finished the year with a cash position of 51.3 million and with 287.6 million in bank debt. The funded debt to adjusted EBITDA leverage ratio as defined in our credit agreement was 2.47 times, well below our maximum limit of four times. Applying our cash, the net debt to adjusted EBITDA leverage ratio was 2.17 times. During adjusted EBITDA levels, we are able to deleverage quickly and reapply our available capital towards growth initiatives. With that, I'll now turn it over to Jim to take us through some of the operational progress. All right, great. Thanks, Angelo. Good afternoon, everyone. It's great to join this call and I look forward to being on many more. Uh, we've definitely hit the ground running in 2022 at our analytics business. In late Q4, we internally rolled out a transformational change to how we do business. A key initiative last year was to unify the business unit from a collection of siloed point solutions and disparate teams into a ubiquitous model that we can leverage to scale more efficiently. More importantly, we believe the changes will maximize the value we bring to our clients and to allow us to better tap into cross-sell opportunities 
while offering our employees a far more attractive employee value prop. We approach this by revamping our go-to-market strategy and updating our operating model to make, to make the shift to cloud-based value selling. The bulk of the groundwork was laid in 2021, and we started the year executing on the strategy we shared with you at Investor Day. Our new operating model took effect January 4th, and we're now integrating Reonomy, Stratadem Analytics, and Finance Active onto that model. Our integration activities are progressing on plan, and we're making solid inroads on the cross-sell. With the addition of these new capabilities, we've gained the credibility to have the alpha and beta conversations with our clients. This is also yielding improved account planning and improved business development activities. The feedback so far has been quite positive, both from employees who are better equipped to connect with customers on value across the CRE asset lifecycle and from our customers who are deeply engaged in the alpha and beta conversations. To put that in perspective, this is a notable shift from past conversations with clients, many of which were with the IT procurement departments about simply increasing the number of software suits. In addition, this year we're further realigning the way we bring our solutions to market under intelligence as a service by combining our core software, data, analytics, and advisory capabilities under the following five offerings. Altus Valuation, Altus Transactions, Altus Performance, Altus Strategy, and Altus Intelligence. Each of these offers packages a number of our capabilities, which we believe best suits our customers' needs and addresses their pain points across the whole asset lifecycle. This new offer structure is currently being rolled out internally with our sales training going on right now, and it will be reflected on our new sales materials and our new website targeted for launch in Q2. As some of these changes have been taking fold, we've seen remarkable improvements in our sales execution. This is showing up in the strong bookings performance, as well as other internal KPIs, and we're just getting started. Alex Proven, the president of Global Property Tax, and I have discussed taking a similar approach at tax. Last year, we organized under a global model and began to work on go-to-market strategies and tech-enabling a number of workflows. Later this year, property tax management will be included in the office performance offer, which provides improved opportunities for cross-selling with our analytics clients. In 2022, our strategic focus builds on last year's priorities and the acquisitions we've made to drive transformative innovation. We've organized our priorities around three key themes, focus, simplification, and execution. Eliminating complexity and driving operational excellence are key driving forces. Under focus, our strategy is purposeful on driving profitable revenue growth in each of our tier one geographies. That's the US, Canada, UK, France, Germany, and Australia, and across our core customer sectors and segments. Through our regional P&L leadership, improved account planning, customer success, and sales training initiatives, we're well on our way and set up for strong execution in 2022. Be assured that driving the network effect by accelerating Argus Cloud adoption remains a high priority for us, and we remain tactically focused on this both in migrating our legacy on-premise software users, as well as expanding our penetration with existing customers and adding new ones. As you heard from Angela and Mike today, we made solid progress last year, and we're tracking right on plan to have a high majority of our users on the same platform by the end of 2023. This will unlock a number of operating efficiencies, and it's foundational to our intelligence-as-a-service delivery model. As for simplification, our focus is on the unification of our commercial data, value selling intelligence as a service, and expanding our platform economics. We have a very privileged position in our industry sitting at the intersection of valuations and transactions. As you've heard us say before, all roads lead to Argus, driving the large volume of assets we touch through our service lines. Our business collects a substantial amount of valuable data across our solutions and service lines that we intend to leverage in our intelligence as a service offering to deliver analytics at scale and with greater efficiency and speed. The core initiative this year is the unification of our data, including expanding our governance and optimization processes. And with our enhanced data and data analytics capabilities, we're also focused on expanding those offerings to markets within our tier one target market. On value selling, as just discussed a minute ago, a key priority is launching our new product offer structure under the intelligence as a service. 
We started the year executing on this, and as we progress, we will continue to realign our sales processes across the entire organization, sales incentives and pricing to increase client value and get more users on our platform. So regarding platform economics, we are transitioning our entire technology stack to a platform-based approach designed for the management of our data model, the transition of our clients' digital experience, and to reap the benefits of leverage and scale across our entire organization. We're continuing to integrate all of our underlying technology under a common Altus performance platform to deliver intelligence as a service. By design, this approach is inclusive of all our solutions and service lines and will include a tax management workflow solution that will contribute valuable information to our intelligence as a service model. And finally, under execution, this is about getting our house in order to deliver on the strategy. Not to say that we weren't well equipped, but there are opportunities to improve. Coming together as one office is an important initiative that needs to be supported by common technology, change management, cultural alignment, and HR programs that will meet our requirements for global growth. We're playing long ball and we are organizing ourselves accordingly. Moving towards one office is what will position us for excellence and sustainable growth. Altus looks a lot different today than it did when the company first went public in 2005. Keeping pace with our growth and the many acquisitions we made over the years, the time has come to fundamentally transform our internal systems for how we operate, collaborate, and go to market as a unified intelligence as a service provider. Our goal is to simplify how we engage with our employees and customers and maximize our internal systems so that we can efficiently and effectively scale. This is an investment to future-proof Altus. Key, going on, on, uh, sorry, key ongoing initiatives in support of this strategic priority include upgrading finance back office systems to increase efficiency and effectiveness, optimizing CRM front office systems to maximize client value through integrated account planning, simplifying our solution architecture and enhancing our human resources, uh, those systems particularly in the area of performance management. Our talent strategy is core to our long-term growth and sustainability, particularly during an increasingly competitive labor market. We are investing in our global human resource systems to better manage our talent pool, strengthen employee engagement and productivity, and create a best in the industry employee experience with improved organizational cohesiveness. Equally important, we're embedding a culture of transformation, diversity, and inclusion. A solid starting point for the next step in our journey includes the commitment to a system of values that represent the great people of this company. Those values are think boldly, work inclusively, create exceptional experiences, strive to outperform, and lead with integrity. These values reflect who we are, a team I'm extremely proud to be associated with. As you can gather, we have another busy year ahead of us with a clear plan for how we'll create stakeholder value. So in closing, I'd like to thank our customers for their continued commitment to office, our employees for your dedication, grit, and solid execution, and our shareholders for the ongoing support and the confidence and trust you place in our team. Our executive transition is going very smoothly and personally couldn't be more excited about the year ahead. So with that, let's open up the line for questions. Operator. Thank you. We'll now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. You'll hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. The first question is from Daniel Chen with TD Securities. Please go ahead. Well, hi, and uh, congrats on the strong cloud migration in the quarter. Uh, would you say that the, the strong migration was largely due to large contracts migrating from on-prem to the cloud, or was it, I believe you said it was 297 new logos you added. Was it due to those, or was it more for the large contracts? Uh, it was a combination of clients across the various segments. So it was both. Okay. It was execution okay. at, at the high-touch and then the scale end. Okay. And then what drove all those new customers in the quarter? Was there like some sort of promo uh, in the quarter that was, that was around? Uh, a couple of things. There's uh, there, the early adopters have been on and um, 
you have IT cycles that have been playing out over the years, and it was just it was just time for many clients to move over, and they they see the um, efficiencies and the the enhanced capabilities of being on cloud. That was part of it. Um, there was also some pricing actions that we've announced for next year. I think that moved some folks over. Um, the clients understand that the best way that we can service them is through one platform, and they're they're making the migration with us. But it's been a the the analytics sales teams have been uh, extremely focused on driving to that forty percent number throughout the year, and they they executed really well. Okay, thanks for that. That's helpful. And then you did mention um, that you're looking for the vast majority uh, to be on the cloud by the end of the year. Uh, what is your visibility into next year that gives you that kind of confidence? Do you have a number of late stage discussions in the pipeline and some renewals that would suggest an acceleration from here? And do you have an actual number? Is it well above 50% or are we getting closer to 70? Any color on that would be helpful. Thank you. Um, I, I actually, we said that we're looking at the high majority by the end of 2023. That said, um, the, the focus and, and the, the pace of growth, uh, I expect to keep up with, with where we're at this year. Okay, thanks. The next question is from Richard C. with National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, you know, so obviously you guys are doing incredibly well in terms of the organic growth, whether it's sort of bookings or revenue. I'm just trying to understand how I go about ranking where that's coming from. So you did a bunch of things in, in the past few years, like uh, changes of the sales org. Uh, you've obviously made some acquisitions that build scale and you're, you're expanding your product set. But like when it comes down to you know ranking all these initiatives, like what is sort of the, the biggest driver of this organic growth? And can, can you sort of give us a, an order ranking in terms of what's most prominent in terms of uh, driving that growth? Uh, sure, happy to, to comment on that. And then maybe, maybe Angelo wants to jump in from to give more of a historical view. Um, the, it's, there's the, there's the, the concept of the science of sales. And it's, it's about just making sure that the end-to-end -end processes from uh, getting your offer structure right through awareness, consideration, pipe build, looking at your pipe several quarters forward, making sure that you know what your, um, your marketing qualified leads, sales qualified leads metrics need to be. So it's just been a team that um, got behind the program. They understood it early in the year and they've just been firing all cylinders all year. Yeah, and this and, is Angela. I, and I, I would add that. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, sorry, Jim. I, I go, please finish. No, no, I'm good. Go ahead, Angela. Oh, yeah, no. I what I was going to say is it really is. Uh, you know, I'd echo that. You know, a lot of it stems from sort of the the go to market uh, reorganization and initiatives that that Jim launched. And when you look at where it's coming from, it's 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 a collaboration. Uh, of the teams and delivering solutions to clients. And it really is coming from across the board. Uh, we're, seeing, we're seeing improved uh, selling on the software side, uh, on, on our multiple products, and we're seeing it on the advisory side and the, you know, especially um, helping clients provide them with additional insights into their performance uh, and decision-making processes and, and the 111 um, services have been really fire, firing all cylinders as well. So it's, it's really that organic growth is, is coming from all of our segments. Okay, that, that's super helpful. I, well, I have you, Angelo. Like, are you guys in a position or will you be going forward to maybe give us a, a proportionate split in terms of the mix of this organic growth from new versus expansion accounts? We are uh we are considering a, you know what metrics uh we will begin to disclose in the new year we just we really haven't landed we are we are looking at um significant um improvements in our back office systems 
that will provide us with you know greater you know and and quicker insights into into key metrics and uh, and you know we'll be sharing more as we go along. But at this point, uh, I just say hold on, more 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 will come. Okay, and just one last yeah, one. Yeah, Angelo, I, I, I was sorry. Go ahead. go ahead, Jim. Yeah, I was going to say um, the the typical SaaS company metrics that you would be used to is is a big driver of the infrastructure upgrades that I, I talked about. So Angelo and I are are working with the teams so that we can more systemically produce that. Um, we are. We are focused on our internal metrics on things like um, long-term value relative to customer acquisition costs, uh, net retention. So we're going there. Uh, it, it'll it'll be a function of, of the improved infrastructure. Okay, great. And just one last quick one for me. Uh, you know, no doubt, uh, you know, you along with Mike had rolled out a, a very uh, effective strategies by the looks of it uh, in terms of the execution. So as you move into 2022. Um, you know, what part of that strategy do you think is going to require more of your attention here? You know, things that you may have not focused on as much that you want to kind of direct more attention to this year. Um, well, I'd say you know, Mike, Mike and, and I and the team have developed a strategy together. So you're not going to see much pivoting away from from what we've declared. Um, so we we, tackle, we tackled a lot as a company last year, and as you can hear across Mike's comments, Angela's comments, my comments, we are we are uh, highly focused on execution. But there are close there are the close adjacencies that go with that strategy, and uh, you know we'll be keeping an eye on opportunities as they present. At, and we're you know we're chasing some opportunities. Uh, that ex that expands the footprint of the strategies that we've already put in play. Okay, congrats. But no significant okay. pivot in strategy. Okay, all the best. Thanks. The next question is from Stephen McLeod with BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Uh, great, thank you. Good good afternoon, good evening, guys. Um, Jim, you mentioned, talked a little bit about uh, in your prepared remarks, just some of the infrastructure investments that you're talking that you that you've talked about having to talked about needing to make. Um, you know, some of those infrastructure investments will yield. Uh, it sounds like better um, uh, better metrics and better uh, better measurement of your execution. Um, but I'm just curious, like, how do we think about those investments as it relates to the margin, and um, is it something that will uh, will weigh on margins for a period of time before generating returns, or or is it really, are they really sort of margin neutral? Maybe they're not that material. For for this for 2022, um, so see, there's a couple of things here. There, there's the the infrastructure investments in the platform that I talked about, which serves both clients and our internal processes around service delivery. So that is a that those will drive margin expansion later in the year. The infrastructure, there's as you guys know, there's a lot of work to put infrastructure in. Um, so that will give us better management information for driving, you know, for decision making going forward. From a productivity per head, we do absolutely uh, see that we will be able with the new infrastructure, we'll be able to scale much more efficiently. So we should be able to accommodate significant more growth without adding the back, you know, without having to increase back office capacity. But it's gonna it's gonna take us several quarters to get the infrastructure in play. Okay, I see. So maybe something that would uh, begin to uh, be more apparent at the end of this year or the second half of this year. Yes. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, and then just wanted to come circle back around on some of the AE conversion um, uh, expectations for this year. Um, would you still expect this year to be somewhat of an inflection point? Would be my first part of the question. And then secondly, you talked about uh, having more of your larger customers potentially converting this year on the back of AE14 
enhancements. And I was just wondering if you could give a bit of color around what those enhancements are for those larger, for those larger customers. So the, the, it's the combination of the offers is um, really what drives us. When we're talking about the enhancements, think about that to leverage the capabilities of Stratadem, you need to be a cloud, you need to be on cloud. So um, to the, the power of the Reonomy data with Stratadem is significantly more powerful than just data in and of itself. So it's the, the combination of the various um, assets that we've acquired this year that drive the value and to, to we're, we're specifically offering those enhancements to our cloud clients and not to on-prem. If I, if, I, if I can jump in here too, Jim, I, I'd also throw out, Steve, from the conversations that we had last year, remember we were also going down not only in the functionality that Jim's talked about, but more of an open e ecosystem. So you'll, you'll see on, on, as, we, as we talk more, as we go into the year and the roadmap develops, there'll be a lot more connectors to you know, partners out there making it easier for our customers to get there. And as a result, you know, as Jim said, there's just more functionality going to be out there and all new functionality is going to be built on the cloud. So as people are starting to like, look at this, you know, you've got a good pace of growth on the cloud right now. Um, if it maintains at the same pace as it maintained last year, you know, you know, we'll have the preponderance of our guys over and then it's, you know, for the lack of better terms in, in the year after it starts to be a little bit more like cleanup. Yeah. Okay. Great. I was happy to yeah, use the term. Use the term inflection point. Uh, we saw we saw that thirty-five to forty percent range as a key inflection point where the early adopters were in, and now you're getting broad market acceptance. And with that, we think the industry follows. They they, they see the benefit of cloud and of collaboration and of enhanced analytics that comes with it. So, right. yes, I think we're at an inflection point. Okay, great. That all makes sense. Thanks for the color. Um, and then maybe just finally, just on the tax business, um, maybe this one's for Angelo, but I was just curious if you could give a bit more color around, um, you know, what the financial impact is of the annuity billing cycle in the UK uh, resetting in 2023. Uh, well, we're going to have, we definitely are going to have the impact of, of the annuity, you know, as we disclose, uh, you know, that will reset. So we won't, we won't see that uh, repeated in 23 and then it'll reset and, and scale back up in 24 and 25 as we go. But, you know, we, we are doing a lot of work right now uh, to mitigate that. And, and uh, you know, if you look at the, well, you know, we're, we've as well, as Jim talked about and Mike has talked about, we're, we're really uh, enhancing our go-to-market uh, in all our jurisdictions. We're increasing our bookings. We're doing more along the lines of digitization, and we have, you know, new uh, initiatives that are going, that are coming uh, to market, uh, particularly around the technology uh, side of things. And so, you know, we should be able to make up a lot of that ground, uh, just given our bookings, our expansion in market share. And, uh, you know, I'd say that the pipeline that we have also going into uh, 23 uh, continues to be very strong. We don't we don't complete all of what we have in our backlog in our pipeline. It doesn't get all completed by this year. There's a tail that goes into 23 and somewhat into 24 as well. And so uh, so you won't see you won't see that entire um, you know impact with the annuities going away. It'll be very very muted, and we expect that. Okay. Yeah. And Angela, yeah. I would add to that that um, you know, as we said in the comments, by design, starting back last February or March, the platform is has contemplated the tax business, and and that is to drive analytics 
better information for the analytics models on the analytics side, but it also allows us to, to bring analytics into the tax business, uh, which should drive more recurring revenues in that business. Okay. Okay, that's, that's great. That's very helpful. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Our next question is from Paul Scape with Scotia Capital. Please go ahead. Okay, great. Um, Jim, maybe you can just comment on, you know, it may just be some of the wording in the, the annual here, but, you know, there's some very clear wording about, you know, acquisitions and level of activity and the fact that you think you're in a unique opportunity to remain acquisitive and actually accelerate time to market. Just help us balance out the strong organic growth and maybe how aggressively you're going to look to maybe do more acquisitions with a with an increased credit line in November. Sure, it, it's um, we're we're always keeping an, an eye on the organic build versus the acquiring of technologies. Um, we're going to keep it within the stated strategy. Um, so. The, the the leveraging the balance sheet is is absolutely a consideration as we go forward. So we've got a we've got a strong corp dev and biz dev team keeping an eye up on on the on the market. We've laid out the value chains of the services that that surround the services we deliver today um, to understand who's playing right around us. Again, keeping in that close adjacency. Uh, so while we're doing that, though, we we are also laser focused on the execution, implementation, and expansion of the acquisitions we've made. Great. And then just maybe to clarify one thing from earlier, I don't know what we're now calling the the five offerings. I know I know you've got the names of them in AA, but I guess what I'm wondering is most of the changes because you highlighted a few things at the start in terms of changes to the sales force change to go market the fact that they were effective jan 4th are, are we to think that most of those changes are fairly minor tweaks jim and and all the the groundwork's in place so we're you know we're full tilt in in 22 or is there maybe more of a you know there might be a ramp period just want to make sure that we're not missing anything on that front uh, for for analytics, the heavy lifting was absolutely in 21. So we added we 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 added the uh, customer success group, which changed the motions of the various folks in the sales teams or what they were focused on. That allows us to put a hyper focus on renewals and net retention because the team focused just on that. Um, that was a change that the team already went through. So. The the op model has been communicated across the whole analytics team. The op changes coming in were, were communicated back uh, in the spring. Specifics on it were delivered in November to the team. We've had a uh, solid change management program wrapped around it from the first from the first minute. And January fourth was we were at, we were basically in that model already. We just made it. Uh, the firm reporting lines were, were, were firmed up on January 4th. And we've, we've done some changes to our focus on our uh, verticals and our territory alignment, which I think is going to drive a lot of, uh, again, focus and productivity. But the teams have been, they've been designing this. We've brought, there's been a lot of input from the field itself. And um, it, it, it's, not, it's not a major shift now. The major shift was last year. That's on the analytics side. On the tax side, Alex has been driving change throughout 21 as well. Um, in my first week after being announced in this role, um, or announced coming into the role, uh, we were out with lots of the tax folks, and they were immediately identifying cross-sell opportunities that are already in play. So the, the, the tax teams are taking advantage of the new P, the GO P&L model that we have in analytics. So the synergies are already happening. Great. Just two quick follow-ups, and I'll pass the line. 
In AA, how significant should we think of ending support for 12-1 in June 30th being? Is that going to be a material accelerant to the numbers that we should think about in Q2 or Q3 as people move forward, or is a lot of the base already shifted? And then one more quick follow-up to not leave Angelo out. You want the answer to that, and then you're going to Angelo? I just make sure, that sure. Sorry, I was... Uh... Okay. Um, so, the, the, I think we, we, saw, we saw a bigger shift with the pricing changes that we've already announced. Um, but then again, I go back to your clients have their own budgeting processes and capital allocation processes and IT resource allocation. So I think we'll see it steady throughout the year. Um, it's more the it's more the uh, the network effect of once you're in the 40s and you're rolling out enhancements that that's going to be the bigger driver of growth. But I think we'll see it um, stay steady throughout the year. Makes sense, Angela. How do we think about capex this year? You you referenced investment a bunch of times. It, is it sort of flattish to the current year uptick, or do we actually tend down a little bit into this year? Thanks. Yeah, I, I'd say it's going to be in the same ballpark. Um, some of the uh, work that we're doing on the on infrastructure that um, that Jim's talking about, you know, there's uh, new new systems that we're implementing, and there's going to be. Uh, other enhancements that, um, you know, will be treated as capital. Um, but, you know, we're still in that, you know, we've, we always kind of, in the last couple of years, we tended to be in the, you know, a few million dollars and it sort of crept up this past year, um, you know, to the six, seven million dollar range. We'll, we'll, we'll probably see it in that range and, and maybe somewhat a little higher, but, but nothing really material. Thank you. The next question is from Scott Fletcher with CIBC. Please go ahead. Hey guys, um, I have a question. I just wanted to ask about Reonomy and really how it's tracking, now that it's been three months since the deal, since you acquired it, how it's tracking towards those initial plans. I think you sort of said from getting to that 21 million ARR number with expectations to get to the sort of mid to high 20s. Is that still something that's in track, on track? And then same question on sort of on the margin side and how, how it's tracking towards, you know, the 2022 margin sort of, you said nominally impacting the overall analytics margins. Jim, did you want to take that or do you want me yeah, to? Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't get off the mute fast enough. Um, the 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 teams are doing great as far as um, the integration into the company. Um, it's that the offer structures, as you can see, the the Reonomy data lands in several different places in those offer structures. So it it's fundamental to um, the entire go-to-market strategy going forward. And the Reonomy go-to-market team has slotted right into the new go-to-market vertical structure. Some, some of the team is in the high touch. Some of the team is in the scale business. Uh, we feel like we have good market coverage, um, driving best practices across our Canadian data solutions group, as well as Reonomy. And um, so, so from that perspective, it's it's baked right into everything that we're doing from an offer structure. Uh, Angela, do you want to comment on the, the margins throughout the year? Yeah, I mean, we'll see improvement um, as we go through the year, as we increase the, you know, the ARR and, and, and as we, you know, as we get to more of the synergies, um, you know, we're, we're on track with our plans, uh, uh, around that, those aspects, um, we'll start. You know, we should start seeing the results of of some of that work uh, more in the kind of back half of, of Q2, early you know Q3, where we'll we'll see 
you know, we'll see um, a, a bigger release of, of cost and improved and, and it'll contribute more to the margin. So by by year end, as, as we had talked about before, we should be, you know, flattish in terms of the uh, the impact of, of that acquisition. Okay, great. Thanks, Thanks for that one. Um, second question probably for you, Angelo. Um, just, just notice that the EBITDA margins in the, in the uh, valuation and cost advisory side were, were, were strong. Is there, is there any, could you just give a bit of color on what drove that and if that's sort of maybe an expectation going forward? Uh, really, we've, we've, those, you know, particularly on the cost side, just it's, it's a robust business. It's, it's, they've been really working on, on execution. They're doing terrific. And, and, and on the valuation side as well. I mean, from an execution standpoint, um, and, and what we're seeing is we're, you know, we've seen pretty good growth, uh, particularly out of the cost. Their bookings are increasing. They continue to scale up. Um, and, um, and, and just the way they're, they're operating just more efficiently. We're using uh, more technology. And, um, and, and we expect to continue to see improvement in that area. If I, if I could add an um, hey Scott, this is Mike. I, I would say that a lot of the changes that Jim was driving on the sales side of the equation in Alts Analytics, that was used on the cost side of the equation as well. And so we saw robust growth uh, just based off good old-fashioned focus on sales execution. And the team executed very well on that and, and then just de delivered. And I think that's going to be highlighted even further this year as, as, as Jim works uh, that business um, with all this analytics intact. All right, thanks for the color. Once again, if you have a question, please press star then one. Our next question is from Gavin Fairweather with Cormark. Please go ahead. Oh, hi there. Just uh, one for me and, and just some pricing. I mean, there's been a lot of changes. You know, if you think about, you know, one of your tier one customers, you know, maybe moving from maintenance to subscription, you've moved from a per seat model to a per asset model, and, and you've referenced, you know, the new structure and AE14 pricing increases. Can you help us understand maybe, you know, the lift that you would expect, you know, from a tier one customer moving from on-prem to cloud, given all those, you know, kind of puts and takes on pricing there? Uh, sure. The, the the basic premise of the pricing needs to be we need to create more value for the clients. I, I know that sounds a bit cliche, but it's how we're starting every conversation. So the cross-sell opportunity of, of the traditional software business into the global advisors, the VMS business, um, even combining with uh, the, the Canada RVA business, um, it, it allows us to package pricing very differently. And that creates expansion opportunities. When you're thinking about just per seat, then your clients start thinking, well, do I really need to add that head? And now it's maybe you're in the acquisitions group. You, you know, you have, you have uh, penetration into the acquisitions group, but you're not into the planning group with the client. If we think about the model differently, we should be able to effectively yield more price per client, but also give the, the client significant more capacity while lowering, while lowering their cost of doing business and driving collaboration for them. So, so the, the bundling of the, the packaging of the, the solutions together here is really what unlocks the value. Great, thanks so much. The next question is from Paul Treber with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Um, thanks very much and good afternoon. Just wanted to, to, to focus on the, the big picture, you know, growth outlook for AA. Um, you know, you're you're affirming the commitment to, or the aspirations to hit the, the 400 million, um, you know, that, that's just over 100 million over the, the current run rate uh, for AA. You know, how do we think about, you know, the, the key drivers or opportunities that will take you there? 
it's the we are you see you know we, we talked about the organic growth um, numbers in the revenue that you're 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 seeing real, realized on the P&L you've seen the bookings numbers those up uh, I don't know if that if you mean it by market segment if you mean it by type of solution but it's I come back to the cross sell and the packaging of these new offers is what unlocks a tremendous amount of value and the growth opportunities. Um, so the the aspirational goals I, I feel are uh, well within reach, and with the with the assets that we have, so your the organic growth should remain very strong. And as to the earlier question. We are keeping our eye on the market for acquisitions that are very close, close adjacencies for expansion of the uh, the footprint that we have already. And when you think about the, the growth opportunity, I mean, you mentioned cross sell and packaging. I mean, that sounds like a lot of it is within the existing install base uh, and and customers. How do you think about? Uh, either well, either new logos within the existing markets or new markets, either you know international uh, or adjacencies. Sure. The so there, there's a there's a lot to unpack in that question. So the we we talked about the operating model, but we haven't we haven't um, gone into the details of the various vertical focus of the go-to-market teams now. So um, that, so we go back to the, what we talked about investor day, where there's the high touch, which really, that high touch segment really is about um, wallet share expansion. You can think about it in, in terms of back to the SaaS metrics, in terms of uh, net retention going up significantly because of the cross sales of things that, don't end up in bookings, but because it's an existing client, but grow the revenue base. So that really is about the opportunity to take analytics across multiple um, multiple areas in our in our client's estate. The we do have the whole scale part of the go-to-market model that we've talked about as well. And that's where the vertical focus combined with the, the, the sales machine that supports the scale business at the appropriate cost structure is critical to growing the new market. So we think we, we see opportunities at both ends of, of the market. And that's as we're talking about the traditional Argus enterprise um, part of the business taking finance active into North America. Um, we've had success already bringing that product in. And right now the teams are really ramping up in this new integrated model. They are, they are ramping that up significantly. We took um, Fred Fate, who is the deputy CEO at Finance Active. He's now the P&L leader for the EMEA analytics business. And again, that's that cross-pollinization of the, the different solution sets. So uh, we know Fred's going to be not only – he has a strong software background, so it's driving the finance active expansion across Europe, but also enabling the teams in North America as well. And then there's, there's the, the continued growth and uh, focus and excitement in the market about what we can do with that combination of Stratadem AE, our advisory data, um, and Reonomy combined, which is which creates opportunities at both the high touch and the scale part of the market. Okay, thank you for taking my question. This concludes the question and answer session. I'd like to turn the conference back over to Jim Hannon for any closing remarks. Uh, great, thank you. So, um, we, we we thank everyone for your, your continued uh, interest in in Altus. Really appreciate the turnout that we've had for this call, uh, given that we we had our uh, announcement earlier 
in the month. Um, if there's additional questions, uh, I think most of you know to reach out to Camilla and we'd be happy to take them. So thanks for your time. We appreciate the commitment to office and I look forward to talking to all of you soon. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may disconnect your lines. Have a pleasant day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.